I did not make it till midnight. <laughs> I did happen to wake up at 11.47 and I said, oh, I could stay up, but then I thought, you know, then I'll be awake. <laughs> I'll be done. All right, next question. Anybody make New Year's resolutions? Good for you. <laughs> not a hand in the place went up. Yes. <laughs> It is natural to think, though, uh, at times like this of uh, what's in the past year and what we're looking forward to in the year to come and that sort of thing. And uh, You know, the past year, we have all manner of memories if we think on it for a moment. Some of us have gone through some significant challenges. We've had some serious transitions. Um, some of us have had some wonderful things happen in the last year and some moments that we wish we could repeat over and over again that now just live you know, in, our, in our memories and in our hearts and in our thoughts. Some of the memories that we have from the past year are terrible and they leave us with scars and pains and hurts. And um, for some of us, it's just been a meh kind of a year maybe. A slow slog made it through. Some good, some, yeah. You know, um, of all the years, 2022 is one of them. For some of us, it may have been a wonderful year of rejoicing and restoration and blessing and the beginning of new things. But that's all in the past. And we've got the future that we're looking ahead to now. Usually, when someone talks about looking ahead to the future, it's, you know, with joy and bright hope we look towards the future for what will come, but. For some of us, we're dreading what's happening in this upcoming year or what might happen. We might be looking at it uh, with some apprehension or maybe even some fear. You know? Or maybe you're looking forward to something that's wonderful that's, that's going to be happening. Regardless of the past or the future, there are some promises of God that we can hold on to that apply very directly to our lives. And that's what I'm hoping to look at with all of us today. Um, it's a new year. In Jesus Christ, we have new life, we are adopted into a new family, and we have a new name given to us through the power of the resurrected Christ. This uh, Psalm 8 is attributed to David. I still remember my 7th grade science teacher, Mrs. Yo, making us memorize it. <laughs> and now it's stuck in there forever. <laughs> and I'm grateful to her for it. Um, it's a wonderful song. You know, David's life was not easy. Uh, he was not perfect in his walk with God. He had people at times hunting him down, trying to kill him. He sinned, he committed adultery, he committed murder. Uh, his reign was pretty tumultuous uh, as king, yet in all of this, he knew that he could rely on the unchanging nature of God, that whatever circumstance he was in, whether it was his own fault or not, God could be trusted to be good. He could be trusted to be merciful faithful, loving, and consistent. David was granted grace that he did not deserve. And so are we in Christ. 
So David's writing Psalm 8, he looks at all the glory and all the majesty of God as seen in creation. And he marvels that this almighty and all-powerful God would care to seemingly stoop to humans in their fallen state. And that's what we see in Jesus. The past few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus in the manger, Jesus the baby, right? Uh, Coming and being born in weakness, keeping in the back of our minds what he's going to do with his life's work. That he doesn't stay in the manger, right? That he is crucified, he dies, he rises from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death that it has over us, and that he is coming again in glory. We know all the rest of the story, even as we celebrate this piece of it. So today's scriptures offer us a little bit of a look ahead into why Jesus came and what it means for us in a very real way here and now. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, I invite you to. You might already know it by heart. If you want to grab your phone and look it up, this is a really short verse, and it's a wonderful one to commit to memory if, if you do that sort of thing. It says... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed. Behold, all things are made new, or all new things come, depending on what your translation is. But the point is that when we trust Jesus Christ with our lives, the old stuff is past, and the new man, the new stuff that Christ brings into our lives is a present reality that we live into. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Not a warmed over, reheated in the microwave, revamped, kind of dusted off, polished up with makeup creation. New creation. Jesus is the one that talked about being born again. You must be born again. People like to make fun of those born againers. Well, Jesus was one. (laughs) He said it. We do not receive new creation in our lives without receiving Jesus Christ. This is the first step. We realize who Jesus is and why he came. That we were lost in our own sin and brokenness and unable to come to God. Jesus came. He died in our place. He rose again from dead, breaking the power of sin and death, and opens the way for us to have a new creation and new life in him. If we want that new creation, we need to take hold of this new life by repenting of our sin, by turning ourselves over to the Lord and trusting him. That's the very first step of living into this reality of this new creation. When we have done this, we become a new creation. All things are new. We are no longer held in bondage to the past, to the penalties that we have. Our debts are paid. There is also healing for all the hurts that we carry with us from the past as we step into the new life with Jesus. So in this this new life, we are adopted into a new family whole new family 
Think about that for a moment. We are born under the law. We are born into sin and evil and death. That's the family that we're born into initially. We are aliens. We are strangers of God. This is a family without liberty. It's a family that is under a law that is impossible to keep. Rules that are impossible to follow. We can never be good enough to make it into the new family. It's a dead end, literally. But God, through Jesus, adopts us into his family and receives us, not as slaves, but as children, as joint heirs with Christ of everything that the kingdom of God, the family of God, offers and brings to bear. That's incredible. If we understood that and lived into that, it would absolutely change the way we approach life and circumstances and difficulties. The audience of the day would have known about what adoption really means. Some of us have more experience with with adoption um, than others. And I just want to take a little side trail for a moment to look at what Roman adoption looked like. Because we want to hear the scriptures through the ears of the folks that it was really written to in that respect because it'll give us a deeper understanding of what this means. The adopted person lost all rights in their original family and they gained all the rights in their new family. He gained all the rights of a fully legitimate son or daughter in the new family. It wasn't like, oh, well, you're the adopted one, but I'm the blood. You know, it wasn't like that. It was a full adoption. They became a full heir to their family's estate, even if other sons were there. If there were no sons, or if other sons were born afterward into the family who were real blood relations, it did not affect the right of the one who was adopted in first as the primary one. They were identified as the primary heir in that case. Again, it was a full adoption. No second-class citizens when we are adopted as children of God into his family. According to Roman law, the life of the adopted person, their old life, is completely wiped out. If they had any debts, they were canceled. Gone. Student loans, no. <laughs> Everything. Gone. If they had a record, like a criminal record, in that old name, it was abolished. It was as if it never happened. It was completely wiped out. It was as if they had never been born into that old family. The adopted person was regarded as a new person entering a new life with no past to drag them down. In the eyes of Roman law, the adopted person was literally and completely the son or daughter of their new father in absolutely every sense. So when we read the epistle lesson today, and it talks about adopted as sons that cry, Abba, Father, that is saying a whole lot 
in a very short phrase <laughs> that I hope we understand a little bit better now. So when we think of adoption, pardon me, I can't deal with my nose running. <laughs> when we think of adoption like that, it's a really wonderful thing. We have lost all the rights and all the claims that our past has on us. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. We have gained all the rights and privileges of our new family. We have become the heir to our father's estate. Our past life is obliterated and blotted out, and we are literally, completely, and absolutely the children of God. Throughout the New Testament, you see this imagery over and over and over again. That when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sin... When you name Christ as Lord of your life, you enter into the family of God. You did nothing to earn it. You did nothing to deserve it. God, in his amazing love and mercy, has taken the initiative to reach out to us and draw us into his family to wipe out our past and to give us a new life. It's incredible. It's unprecedented. It's absolutely amazing. I want to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And can I borrow your Bible? I left mine on my desk. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Ephesians. This is good. I can find it in here. Here we go. It's right after Galatians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. I realize this is a bit of a longer passage, but it applies directly to what we're talking about. And I, I think it's really important for us to hear and begin to understand what this means. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you at that time were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is us born into the old family, born into sin under the law. We have no hope. We are aliens. We are strangers. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ because of what Christ has done. We have access to God. We are brought into his family because of what Jesus has done. For he is our peace in his flesh. He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Therefore, here's the good part, ready? <laughs> Therefore, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens 
with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We're identified as heirs, adopted children of God. Without Christ, we are foreigners. We are not allowed into the borders of God's kingdom, not even for a visit. A while ago, um, when all the COVID restrictions were in place, remember, no one could get across the border with Canada, <laughs> right? Couldn't get up there at all. And um, then they finally opened it up to essential business travel <laughs> and that sort of thing. But now the border is relatively open again. But without Christ, not even that happens. We are complete strangers to God. We are lost in our own sin. We do not belong to the family of God, but rather to the family of mankind lost in sin. In Christ, not only are we reborn or born again into the family of God, but our citizenship is changed. Our family name begins as sin and loss, and then it changes. Colossians 1.13 puts it this way, For he has rescued us from the, king the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So we have a new year. We have new life. We have a new family. And in that, we have a new name. Our old self was born in sin, and as much as we might try to glaze over it, we were slave to that sin. Our family name was not a good one. We had no home. In our new family, we receive all of the rights and responsibilities and privileges and blessings of God. We receive everything that comes with the name of being in that family. Uh, there's an old worship song from when I was a kid, and it's called, I Will Change Your Name. And um, the words to it are this. Let's see if this resonates with you at all. This is God speaking to us I will change your name you shall no longer be called wounded outcast lonely or afraid I will change your name your new name shall be confidence joyfulness overcoming one faithfulness friend of God one who seeks my face. Whatever our thoughts are towards the future, we want to remember the timeless promises of God. He is always faithful. He never breaks his promises. I want to encourage us today to take heart, to have faith to look to heaven. You have a father who loves you with his entire eternal almighty being. If you have trusted Christ, you have been adopted into this family. The old is gone. 
live into your new life in this new year, even into the challenges and the trials and the discouragements, because they can be filled and restored through God's mercy, his love, and his grace. Please pray with me. Holy God, we thank you for this moment in time to stop and to be still before you. To acknowledge that you are speaking to us. Lord, for those of us who have trusted you, we pray that you would help us to remember who we are and whose we are and what that means and that we would live into your kingdom and into your promises and your blessings in this family. Help us to not drag the names and the sins and the baggage from the past family name into the new family. You have broken the power of those things over us through the blood of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. May we leave them there at the foot of his cross. Lord, for those of us who once trusted but maybe have wandered, we are reminded of that prodigal son who comes back just hoping to be a slave in the household of his father, but his father receives him back as a full son. He wasn't demoted. He wasn't ridiculed. He welcomed him with open arms. And so, Lord, if, if we've been wandering, we confess that to you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, your love and your forgiveness. Help us to live into our new family wholeheartedly. Lord, for those of us who are considering trusting you for the very first time, we acknowledge that the way we've been trying to live doesn't work, that we can never be good enough. And again and again, the things that we turn to fall apart and fall away. And so finally, we bring our hearts before you. Please forgive us of our sin, for trying to live our own way. We trust you now, Jesus. Thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you for the future that we have with you. Help us to love and honor you with all that we are and all that we have for the rest of our days, knowing that when you hold the future, we can rely on your promises. In all our ways, we trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would.